0: This morning, we're going to continue in in our our, uh, series through the book of Acts. We are very early in the series, uh, Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13 today. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit this morning, and... uh and, and before and actually as we get into that, um, I just want to share with you this passage that we're talking about today is the fulfillment of promises that have been made through Scripture and especially from Jesus. OK, uh, just, you know, just as recently in the book of Acts as, as uh, chapter one, verse eight, where Jesus tells the disciples, um, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so just. Within days before this, Jesus has reminded them again, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In, um, in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says uh, in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. What Jesus was talking about is this very account that we are looking at in the early church today, in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit comes and indwells the believers, comes into the believers, okay? And so that's what we're going to be looking at. And and one of the things that I want to remind us every time we talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, there's something amazing going on here beyond what is here, okay? The verses themselves, amazing, right? But there's something beyond that that is amazing, and it's this. um, In John 16, just a couple chapters after what we uh, looked at, if you were here at the beginning of the year, we talked about the Holy Spirit, and we looked at this reference, and we talked about it then, but I want to remind us, because any time that we talk about the Holy Spirit, I want us to think about this verse. Jesus is talking to the disciples, to the people, and he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Verse 7 of chapter 16, John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the reason I want us to think about that verse before we go into this message is here is uh, what normally happens, especially in conservative churches. Okay. Okay. And if you're wondering, we would consider ourselves a conservative church and teaching, okay? Um, what happens is you've got God the Father. He's awesome. He's great. He sends his son Jesus. He's under God there, and he sends his son Jesus. He's good. We should worship him and all that. And then there's that Holy Spirit thing going on, and, and he kind of falls in, and sometimes we don't even mention him. We don't want to talk about him, and we, we give him very little credit or whatever. And the problem is the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is 100% God, just as much as God the Father is 100% God. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, is 100% God. And I wonder if we're truthful, if we would have stood in front of Jesus and Jesus said, Michael, it's to your advantage that I leave because if I leave, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I wonder if we would have believed him. I mean, imagine that if Jesus Christ was here in the flesh today and he said, I'm leaving and we're going to be ruined over that. Right. We're going to be broken. We want him to stay. And he says, I've got to go. And we're like, you've got to stay. You've got to stay. We want you to stay. And he says, no, 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 no. It's to your advantage. It's better for you if I leave, because if I leave, you get the Holy Spirit. What would we say? I think if we're truthful, we would say, I had him already. I want you. Right? Because we've lessened the godness of the Holy Spirit. We have lessened the fact that the Holy Spirit is 100% God. And what Jesus was saying in that passage is, it's better for you because for the first time ever, God is going to live inside of you. You're not going to have to come to me and talk to me physically and say, what do we do now, Lord? What do we do now, Jesus? No, God's going to be in you and he's going to direct you. He's going to guide you. He's going to convict you. He's going to lead you on the path to righteousness. God himself. And so we've got to remember that as we talk about the Holy Spirit. We've got to remember, man, we have God living inside of us. The Holy Spirit. And we can't lessen that. We can't think less. It is God and we are blessed. It is to our advantage that Jesus left. Because He gave us the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And so here we are in in Acts um, chapter 2. And it starts off and it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived. Now what is Pentecost? What is the day of Pentecost? Um the day of Pentecost is not the name that was given to the day when the Holy Spirit came. Okay, The day of Pentecost was already established. It was a day. Uh, in, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 22, uh, God establishes what he calls the Feast of Weeks. It was a celebration, the Feast of Weeks. The word Pentecost means 50th, and the Feast of Weeks was 50 days after the Passover. And so the day of Pentecost is the Feast of Weeks. It's, it's the, the 50th day, 50 days after the Passover takes place. The Jews were, were required to celebrate what was called the Feast of Weeks. And it was a time where they would come and offer to God the first fruits of their harvest. Okay, And so that's what it's talking about when it's the day of Pentecost. And not just the title that Luke gave to the day when Jesus came. It was, it was, a, it was a day that had already been a time of worship of God, a, a, an opportunity to give to God the first fruits of what God had given. And so it's the day of Pentecost, and it says that, uh, actually, you know what, on that, it's so cool um, because God planned for the day of Pentecost to be the day that the Holy Spirit came. It wasn't a surprise. It, it was a plan from God. And it's a, an amazing picture as God has established this Feast of Weeks where the people were to give of the first fruits of their harvest where God on on the feast of weeks the day of Pentecost he gives the Holy Spirit which is an amazing picture of him giving us the first fruits really um, Ephesians talks about how the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of our inheritance It's the guarantee of our inheritance and how the Holy Spirit God living inside of us is that guarantee that we have of heaven of eternity of forgiveness of salvation of all those things and God gave that as a symbol even on the day of Pentecost. And so it says in there um, that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now it says all together in one place, it's referring back to chapter one, verse 15, where it says in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And so here they are gathered together uh, again. And, and, uh, and probably uh, it talks about, they were meeting together in the upper room, probably it's in the upper room uh, there. And, and, uh, and so it says they're gathered together on the day of Pentecost And then in verse two, it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Suddenly, you know, I referred to um, a moment ago that that this was planned by God. Um, The the disciples knew the followers knew Jesus had taught clearly. I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I'm going to send the helper to you. I'm going to send the comforter to you. Uh, And so they knew that the Holy Spirit was coming. They didn't know when. Uh, they didn't know when that was going to happen. And so this idea of it being suddenly is is really a picture of this was um, a planned event from God. It wasn't something that God was doing in response to what the people were doing. It's not the disciples happened to do the right thing. And so God gave the Holy Spirit to them or they happened to pray the right way. And so God gave the, it wasn't that at all. This was planned by God and and just suddenly the Holy Spirit comes. I want you to imagine, okay? because we are so tempted and we're so gifted at reading through the Bible and disengaging and not actually imagining what in the world would that have been like or what would that be like? And and I want you to think for a minute here they are in this room and it says that there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Now, it's not a wind. It's just the sound because it says as of a mighty rushing wind or like a mighty rushing wind and so it's not really the feel of a wind but there's the sound of this incredibly hard wind i don't know if you've ever heard a hard wind before we lived in in southern california they have the santa Ana winds that like once a year you get this wind it just would blow and blow and blow. And if you had bad windows, like some of us did, then it would just shake the windows of the house. It was loud and, and, and just incredible. And I think beyond that, like with a tornado, like how loud that must be. I've never been in a tornado. I really don't want to be in a tornado. But the sound of the wind has to just be incredible. And that's what Luke is explaining as he's explaining what's happening here. He says the room filled with the sound of this mighty rushing wind. Now imagine being in that room you're not feeling any wind, but you're hearing the sound of this wind in the room. It's got to be a little bit scary, right? For we're honest, that's got to be a little bit scary. But here's the the, the circumstances around what these people are, are kind of experiencing as the Holy Spirit's coming. It says there's a sound of a mighty um, rushing wind. It fills the entire house. It's probably um, um, heard outside because we find out later that people hear and they come. And in verse 3, it says, "...and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them." and rested on each one of them such a wild verse um because again it's it's not fire they're they're explaining and and he says as of fire divided tongues as of fire now you know i don't think i've got a better hold on this than you do okay i mean this is wild okay i don't know if you can sit and imagine what this is i don't know and maybe luke is scrambling for words to tell us what it was like um But it's weird because the word for tongues is the same word for language, okay? But it's not just talking about divided languages came because they said appeared to them. And so somehow in this room, they have a visual of these divided tongues coming and descending on all of them. Have fun. All right. But the thing is, it, it's not literal fire. And, and they're explaining, Luke is explaining what happened, what they saw. And, and it's just something that we haven't experienced or seen. And they saw it and, and actually heard the wind and saw it happening. And, and it descends and it says it comes on all of them. And then in the verse 4, it says, And they were all filled. With the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to notice what it says there. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? They were filled with the Holy Spirit, not they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches about a baptism of the Holy Spirit that happens when we are saved, okay? Instantaneously. When we are saved by God, um, it talks about us being baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit, okay? Baptized just means immersed. And so what the teaching is in, in Scripture is when we're saved and we're immersed into Christ. And, and it gives us this picture of the church being one huge body, Christ being the head, the church being this one huge body of Christ that's functioning in the world so that the world can see what Christ looks like. Well, this isn't talking about that instant of salvation. We know that the 120 people up in the room were followers of Jesus Christ. They're saved. They didn't need to be baptized. What it says is they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, there's no command in Scripture anywhere to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But in Ephesians 5.18, it says that believers, um, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, the literal meaning of that is keep keeping filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but keep keeping filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've thought about that and like, um, why? Why do we have to keep keeping filled if the Holy Spirit comes into us? Here it is, Right i mean god's big he can consume me he can fill me and i was thinking about that this week and, and uh, i brought a backpack you know a backpack if you fill a backpack if any of you're in school and, and you had those classes like had the books like this and you had to take multiple books and all this and your backpack's just full right if you go to class or, or if you go anywhere with this backpack and you have other stuff you want to put in what do you have to do you have to take stuff out right you can't just cram more and more and more and more and more and more and more stuff into one backpack. If you're going to put more stuff in, you've got to take some stuff out. And I really think that's exactly why Jesus or Paul reminds us to keep keeping filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in our lives, what happens is we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're totally, totally following God. We're so excited about Him. And then the next thing comes along, another treasure, something we put before God, whether it's, whether it's money, whether it's um, lust, whether it's gossip, whether, whatever it is. And we've got this other thing and we're like, well, I want that in my bag, too. I want to put that in there, too. And and what happens is we take out the Holy Spirit. We take out more of the Holy Spirit. We take out more of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's reminding us. Man, keep keeping filled with the Holy Spirit. There's there's other passages, actually. um, Well, in Acts, what is the result of that? What's the result of us keeping ourselves filled with the Holy Spirit? What's the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit? We're going to find it right here in Acts. But throughout Acts, as we, as we see when the Holy Spirit fills people, there's boldness. There's worship. There's a response in worship to God. And there's boldness in the people. Ephesians 5, um, right after what we talked about where it says, uh, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It gives us the, the fruit of that Holy Spirit that's filling us. And it says that there's love. The fruit of the Spirit is love and and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's another passage in um, Galatians. That's Galatians. I said Ephesians. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But Ephesians um, chapter 5, after it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit addressing, these are the characteristics that you'll find in someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, and and what it's saying by that is, what's going to come out of us if we're filled with the Holy Spirit? God. (laughs) If God is filling us, there's nothing else that comes out except God. Um, Remember what, what Jesus taught was, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if my heart and my body and myself is filled with God, there's nothing else that can come out. It's just God. And so I'm addressing others in songs and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And it says, uh, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you want to know what the response to being filled with the Holy Spirit is, or the characteristics of one who's filled with the Holy Spirit, it's these passages. It's boldness, it's worship, it's, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's singing, making melody in my heart. It's, it's addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's serving, submitting to one another out of love for God. It's extolling God. That's the characteristics. That's the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You wonder why those are lacking. Is because we've lessened the Holy Spirit. We have lessened the influence of the Holy Spirit on our life. We're not. We're not keep keeping filled. We're not keeping ourselves filled with God's spirit. We're not keeping ourselves filled with him himself so that his attributes are the ones that flow out of us. But that's the result of it. And so they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse uh, four, they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. So they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in other tongues Now, imagine that. I mean, imagine if you walked in here for the first time on a Sunday morning and I'm speaking English and Michael speaking Japanese and and Marcus speaking Spanish and someone else is speaking this language. Someone else is speaking this language. That's what's happening is they're praising and worshiping God and they're doing it in all these languages that they didn't know how to speak. That's what he's teaching. Well, that's pretty wild, (laughs) But here's what I don't want us to think, okay? I don't want us to think that this is teaching that speaking another language is the heart of the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want us to think that. It's not the heart of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The heart of being filled with the Holy Spirit are the characteristics that the Bible teaches are the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason we can know that is is later in Acts, we're going to look at these passages later on, I'm not going to look at them now, but the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit more than this time. They're an example to us of keep keeping filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and in chapter four, there's the boldness, there's the worship, there's the zealousness. There's the, all those things that come from them being filled with the Holy Spirit, but they don't speak in tongues. They don't speak in other languages. And so I don't want you to think that when we talk that, uh, about this passage where they begin to speak in other languages, that it's teaching that the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that. It's, it's not what the Bible teaches, okay? And and it's also one of the things I want us to notice. We're going to get into this in the next section, ex, um, section is it's not an unknown language. The disciples aren't just babbling and speaking an unknown language. They're speaking other languages. We know that in the next verses. The people that come and listen, they they affirm and confirm that in the next verses. And so I don't want us to think that, that it's just... Um, them rattling off sounds and, and, and that that's the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. What it says in verses 11 is the result of the Holy Spirit is they are telling the mighty works of God. Now, involved in their response to the Holy Spirit, which is them telling the mighty works of God, them worshiping God, them praising God. God does this miraculous thing that he intends for a purpose, and they start doing it in other languages, which is pretty wild, <laughs> I don't know about you. I was praying this morning with the guys, and I'm, I'm, man, and this is a confession. I'm so easily distracted. I mean, like, I, we were practicing this morning, and not to put this thought in your head, but I'm, I'm just gonna be honest, okay? But I'm like, man, it's hot in here, and then, like just like that, I'm distracted because it's hot, and so. But that's, you know, we just we get so easily distracted about little things, and here they are praising God, and they start praising God in these other languages. I can't even imagine and yet what keeps them focused they are truly filled with god's spirit they're truly worshiping and that's the thing i was praying this morning is that we just that we'd be filled with god's spirit that we wouldn't let silly simple things distract us i mean here's a major distraction i would say that's me I would say that's a major distraction if I'm if I'm leading worship or Joe's leading worship or whatever. And, and just all you guys start speaking Japanese and Chinese and Spanish and all these other languages. It might be a little bit of a distraction to me. Right. Unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, unless I'm just so fixed and focused on God and just worshiping him and extolling him and telling the mighty works of God. And that's what they're doing. And, and so I don't want us to think that this is, that the, the speaking in tongues is the heart of the experience. The heart of the experience is worship and magnifying God. That's the heart of the experience that's happening here. And then they begin to speak in tongues. And in verse 5, it, it goes on further with that. It says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So here's in Jerusalem, um, there were men and, and uh, families who had moved Uh, To live in Jerusalem from from every nation under heaven and uh, and at the sound sound of the wind and, and I'm sure the sound of them speaking these other languages at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all these who are speaking Galileans now that's an insult. Um, that's the way that you insulted someone from galilee because someone from galilee is considered to be less educated um it would be like if you guys found out and said isn't tony from west virginia um (laughs) pretty much the same kind of thing there right and so i am from west virginia and it's not funny it's probably what the disciples felt like um but they say, aren't these people from, from Galilee? Aren't, aren't they Galileans? Aren't they uneducated? Aren't they just Galileans? And yet we can hear them speaking our language. And it rattles off all the places that they're from and all these different languages that the, 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 those that are gathered are speaking. And guys, that's how we know in, in this in this passage. Clearly, it's saying that the gift of tongues here is literal known languages Because the people actually say, we understand that they're speaking our language, our own native language from where we're from. And so they're speaking and extolling God. And these people come together and the right response is they're bewildered. They're astonished. They're amazed. And they're just responding. The people are responding to who God is and they're worshiping God in these other languages. And the people are just standing out going, what is going on? What is this? What's happening? These are just uneducated people and they're speaking In our language, they're talking about God and telling the mighty works of God in our own language. And so it goes in in, uh, verse eight. And how is it that uh, that we hear each of us in his own language? Now, uh, that verse has sometimes been interpreted, myself included before, um, where maybe the disciples are all speaking Hebrew. They're speaking their language and the people are just hearing it in their own language um i used to think that and and uh we can pretty much be sure we can be sure that that's not what's taking place uh what it says earlier than that is um they were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues that word for tongues is languages okay um They begin to speak in other tongues. The other thing that convinces me of this is at the very end, which we'll talk about in a minute, where the mockers, what do they say? They're filled with new wine, which is just a way to say they're drunk. Um, If the people are only hearing their own language, in other words, if if the disciples are speaking in Hebrew, but everyone's hearing in their own language, this miracle of God, where they're just hearing in their own language, then they just hear one language and they wouldn't think anyone was drunk it would be the chaos the the craziness of hearing all these different languages by one people group that would cause them to say they're just drunk they're just drunk filled with new wine and so um they're literally speaking different ones are speaking the different languages god has given them this gift where they didn't know the language before but to proclaim the mighty works of God in these other languages. They just begin to speak these other languages. Guys, it's, it's crazy, right? I mean, it's hard to believe, right? And, and yet, it's no different than Jesus walking up and saying, Lazarus, I know you've been dead for days. Come out. Uh, it's no different than the disciples waking up Jesus on a boat and the storms are crazy and here's these fishermen who shouldn't be afraid of waves, shouldn't be afraid of storms, but it must be so bad that they're afraid and they wake Jesus up and say, we're going to die. And he says, peace, be still, and the waters are calm. God is like that. He just does things that astonish us. He does things that amaze us. He does things that we can't comprehend. That's why he's God. He's God. He can do those things. And it's this incredible miracle where, and we're going to talk about the purpose of this miracle in, in, in just a little bit, but this incredible miracle where God speaks through these people in other languages so that His truth can be heard in those languages. It goes on in, in uh, verse um, 11, the second half. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. What are the, what are the followers of Christ doing? They're worshiping. They're praising God. They're extolling God. They're telling the mighty works of God. They're speaking of the mighty works of God is what that's saying. In response to the Holy Spirit filling them. That is a biblical response, right? We just talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then speaking to one another and addressing one another in psalms and spiritual songs and declaring, you know, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. And these are just worship is an absolute natural response of God filling us when we experience who God is. And when he fills us, our our natural response is, God, you are great. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time telling the works of God and speaking about the mighty works of God. It's just a natural response to, to experiencing God. And it says in verse 12, and all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. All were amazed and perplexed. we got this whole group of people. We don't know how many people assembled. A lot. We're going to find out next week because of after the sermon that Peter gives, we're going to see that a portion of them, which is a lot, <laughs> give their lives. And so we got all this group assembled together, and they're just like, man, some are like spinning. And, and it says they're all amazed. They're all perplexed. And there's two responses, okay? And I want to talk about this for a second. There's always two responses uh, to God. When God moves, when God's working, when God does something, there's always two responses. You've got that response of part of this group that's interested, and they're like, man, what is going on here? What is this about? What is going on in these people that I don't have? I mean, I know these people don't know my language. I know these people don't know this stuff, and, and they're just... It's not like they're just talking and not making sense. They're telling me about God in my language. And I don't get it. I've got to figure out what's going on. And so there's always that one side that's interested in seeking out the things of God. But there's always the other side, too. Where you've got that group that mocks. And they say they're just drunk. They're crazy. There goes the Christians again, right? There goes the Christians again, just chaotic and, you know, just crazy. And, and, and just they write them off there's always going to be those two responses and man my my question is what response is this for you i mean even as we talk about this passage where some crazy stuff is happening right there's some crazy stuff happening and and what's the response for you it's like man i i gotta figure out this thing i gotta find out what is going on and, and maybe why is it why is it so hard for me to believe this why is it so hard for me to to grasp this why is it hard for me to get this am i whether i've said i'm a christian or not am i closed off to you lord am i like shut off to you and i'm not really believing that you can do anything or is it just like man i gotta i gotta look into this more lord you're amazing and i just want i want to do that i want to respond to you in worship i want to respond to you by telling of the mighty works of god i want to respond to you full of your spirit i want to respond with worship which way are we responding I want to finish um, this morning. I want to talk about the purpose of speaking in tongues. And and uh, there's there's other passages that talk about speaking in tongues. And, and uh, some of you will agree with me on this. Some of you might not agree with me on this. And I and, uh, just want to make sure that this morning, because here's, here's the thing. We want to live our lives, and we certainly want to be a church that is founded uh, on God's word and 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 living and and doing things according to what god's word teaches and so uh i want to talk about two purposes here of of uh the people speaking in tongues all right uh the first one is this it is simply it's to validate the spirit's coming I and mean, this is a miracle to validate to the people that are watching. There is something unique going on here. There is something powerful going on here. Remember when Jesus in Acts chapter 1, 8 said uh, that the Holy Spirit was going to come. He addressed it by saying what? You're going to receive what? Power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. Not just in this little tiny town. Not just to your little neighbors. Not just here. You're going to be my witnesses everywhere. My gospel is going to go Everywhere. And so it's this validation of, yep, (laughs) they got power, and yep, what God has said is true, and yep, God is involved in this whole thing somehow. And so it's a validation of God's Spirit really coming and dwelling in them. And to be honest, that's one of the reasons I cannot say that the Bible teaches that tongues ceased. I can't say that that gift has certainly ceased, because even though, I will tell you, I do not see any need for it, invalidating the power of god in america there are places that have never heard there are places that have still never heard of god and if god chooses in those places to cause someone to go in who doesn't know that language with a heart that just is full of the spirit and they go and they start speaking cantonese or they start speaking whatever it is to the people who don't know about god man praise god praise god if that's what he chooses to do that's what he chooses to do but In this passage, it is complete, absolute validation. It's validating the work of God. It's a miracle that just proclaims God is doing something supernatural. God is doing something supernatural. The second thing is this. It was a picture that God means for all people from all creation to understand his greatness. I say that again. It was a picture that God means for all people from all creation to understand his greatness. That's what the people were talking about. That's what they were telling, was the mighty works of God. And they were doing it in all of these languages from every nation, it says. And so they're proclaiming the greatness of God. Let me me, um, explain that further by giving you a quote from John Piper, where he says, The speaking in tongues and acts has a very definite role to play. It's directly connected to the presence of people from all the nations who need to understand the great things the disciples were saying. In other words, the miracle of tongues was a demonstration of God's sovereign power. And it showed that this power promised in Acts 1-8 really was intended to advance the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Remember, again, what we talked about in Acts 1-8. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so it is Proof! It is a picture for the people that what God said was going to happen, that this gospel is not just for the Jewish people. It is for everyone, everyone in every place in all the world. And he gives this amazing proof and picture of that as the disciples start telling the greatness of God in all of these different languages from all over the world. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. And, and, uh, and what I want us to, to, to talk about is... Um, what it was and what it wasn't, and and uh, I want us to know that that as we come away from this, it wasn't an unknown language or a babble that that was a prayer language, and this is why I'm I'm confident of that. Okay, um, because what were the disciples and followers doing? What were they doing? They were praising, they were worshiping. That is prayer, guys. That's prayer. In, in Acts chapter ten. Um, Verse 46, it's when the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. So here you got the Jews receiving the Holy Spirit. Later on in Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. And it says um, in 46 of chapter 10, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues, the Gentiles speaking in tongues and extolling God. They were speaking in tongues and extolling God. The same response praise and worship which is prayer this was their prayer language this was their worship language this was their adoration of god language and so it's hard for me to reconcile that here they are praying in known languages in both circumstances jews and gentiles praying in known languages and that sometime sometime down the line god said no that's not enough i'm going to have you speak unknown un understandable languages as a prayer language i i can't get that from the bible i can't um i can't grasp that and i i can't find a purpose or um any reason to, to validate the fact that god would change this what was a prayer response um and really it's just people responding to god and, and speaking and extoling and god changing their language that's what it was so that people could hear about the greatness of god in their language and so i have a hard time with that um on that as we finish up um some of you may struggle with that. I mean, some of you may have a hard time hearing that and think, why are you even talking about that? Why are you addressing that? Why not just leave it alone and let other people do what they want to do and we do what we want to do? And why not just not talk about it? And that's, that's a fair question. Uh, but here's the thing. You guys, we have to get our doctrine from the Bible. And, and something that I've said before, but doctrine is hugely important. Doctrine is so important. It's the beliefs that we get from the Bible. Okay, That's what a simple explanation of doctrine is. All right, And so we've got to have our doctrine, our beliefs, come from the Bible. We just can't not care about spiritual things. We can't just go through life and say, I don't care. That doesn't matter to me. My church doesn't do that. We have to get our doctrine from the Bible. And I know I've talked to a lot of people one-on-one or two-on-one about this uh, very thing. And the response I always get back is this. Uh, you can't tell me that something i've experienced is not true and that's a fair response but here's my concern with that response because i met with three guys this week i talked to them, shared some passages with them and and they asked some questions and we talked for a while and in the process we talked about a lot of stuff and then in at the end of it their response to me was this pretty much this well you just have to experience it to know they were Mormons, guys. Everyone, and I'm not comparing speaking in tongues to Mormonism. I'm not at all. All I'm saying is there's such a danger in in, in getting our doctrine from experience. We can't base our doctrine on experience. Everybody has experiences. Everybody. That's why I told Mormons. I mean, everybody has experiences. Uh, we have experiences. Uh, Hindus have experiences. Muslims have. Ex- everybody has experiences we can't base our doctrine on experiences. We have to base our doctrine on God's word. Because we are emotional people. Guys, we're emotional people. And we can get carried away by the simplest things. By the meaningless things even. And we have to be careful because if God's word doesn't teach it, it doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter what I experience. It doesn't ma- if God's word doesn't teach it, I have to come back and say, whoa, 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 that might have felt good. But it didn't feel like God, and it wasn't God, and it wasn't what he teaches, and it was apart from his word, and I've got to come back and say, no, God, the best I can, I'm just going to stand on your word and do what your word says. I, ho- you know, I hope um, that our response from that is, is, uh, is this, and this is my prayer for us this week, has been that we would seek the true results of being filled with the Holy Spirit That we would see God filling us and that we would extol God and tell of his greatness and worship him in spirit and truth and proclaim with boldness the mighty works of God.